Captain! Not without a plan! Yes, sir. Professor... and Howard... How many times are you gonna dishonor me by rubbing my face in the dirt? You're listening to the show with more hits than Duke Togo. That's right, Gundam at MAHQ. And this is this is one of your co-hosts, Sobro Ryu, along with uh, Neil Lornoak, and uh, Chris will be joining us a little bit later in the episode. Uh, he had some uh, something that he had to take care of. So, um, yeah, this is, uh, what, episode 29, correct? It is the big 29, man. We're almost to 30, man. Yep. And um, in this episode, we're going to have our Gundam Roundup based upon Mobile Suit Gundam Seed. That's right. The first Gundam series of the 21st century. Yeah, and we're going we're gonna to be joined with um, the ultimate hater, uh, Austin. Austin, man. From the Hatagon in Hate Valley, Florida. The general, man. Yeah. <laughs> he is the general. Also, this episode, we're going to get back to our reviews of Season 2 of Mobile Suit Gundam Double O. Shortest uh, review segment ever. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> it, it, but it's very talkative. We went we went back to the review format that we... Um, originally we, had. We originally had. And <laughs> we, we, we touched upon... Oh, back by popular demand, apparently. In this um, segment, we talk about episodes four through six yep. of um, Double O, and uh, we hope you're entertained. But um, before we get into those, uh, we can begin with Neo's news. Take it away, Neo. Well, from the news central here in Orlando in the Gundam News Tower, I'm your humble <laughs> reporter, Neo Lornick. And uh, actually, speaking of Gundam Double O, um, we haven't had really any episode ratings in a while, but um, and this is courtesy of our fine folks at uh, GundamNews.net. Uh, episode 15 uh, was number 9, uh, 5.3 share, and it actually was beat out by Pokemon by only a tenth of a percent. Wow. Yeah, for the 8th position, so it's doing pretty well. I mean, if you can hold pace to a Pokemon uh, show, you must be doing all right. We better tell Satoshi to watch his back. <laughs> <laughs> actually, yes. And uh, this is some other stuff. And these are actually some of the, um, you know, uh, like we stated earlier, um, you know, many, many episodes ago when uh, GundamNews.net came around, um, you know, not only are they going to be providing everyone with great news, but they also are doing a lot more um, uh, things just in general when it comes to Gundam. And they've got some uh, side story summaries that they uh, within the site. And they're doing it for uh, Mobile Suit Gundam 00F and 00P. So definitely check those out. And they actually have some Igloo 2. Uh, they actually show that there's some uh, website updates for the MS Igloo 2. And I guess um, Volume 3, Odessa, Storm of Iron, uh, will be released on April 24th of this year. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the No Limits song by Tata, uh, the release date, Soul Bro, will be April Fools. Oh man! Yeah, so um, is that a know, joke? I don't know, <laughs> or is it a joke that you're going to buy this? Oh, man. oh damn! <laughs> Just joking. Just joking. That's funny. Watch, uh, watch Tata be the Lars Ulrich of um, of uh, Japan. <laughs> 
And uh, last little story I got here from uh, GundamNews.net is <laughs> they had to point out, and uh, I'm going to kind of quote this uh, verbatim from the fine folks at GundamNews.net. Once again, Bandai proves that no one edits their website like them by showcasing Ian Vashti as Sheeran. <laughs> 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 quote from GundamNews.net seriously man I have hire a graphic designer that knows what they're doing instead of copy pasting things over and over again <laughs> <Quote>. <laughs> so uh, you know way, way to kind of kick them down kick them where they're down but um, got some other news stories here and this is actually coming from uh, Anime News Network and I know a couple months ago uh, Toonami actually finally was, um, you know, finished up and is no longer available on the Cartoon Network. Well, uh, one of the last kind of uh, ties to Toonami is just recently been shut down itself is the Toonami Jetstream Video Servicing. Oh. Uh, you know, Rich, um, you know, I don't know. I I had gone to it quite a few times, and it was actually pretty nice. But um, this was the message up on the jet uh the tsunami Jetstream website and this was what was posted uh, we greatly appreciate all the fan support for tsunami Jetstream over the years starting january 30th naruto will make a new home on cn video at cartoonnetwork.com fans of mar blue dragon and other popular viz media series previously featured on tsunami Jetstream should check www.viz.com for future updates oh man and it it launched in July 17th of 2006, and a lot of it was uh, all the Viz license series, and it was free online in North America. And um, some of the shows that were on there, as I said, um, Blue Dragon, they also showed um, uh, Zotch Bell and Hikaru No Go. And that's actually where I got to see some Hikaru No Go. Hikaru No Go was on there. I didn't know that. You didn't know that? I yeah. love that show. Yeah. Dang it, man. I thought you knew about that, to oh be honest God, with you. Yeah. God, I feel like such a herb again. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, 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 you should feel that way. Man. Dang, I Because um, they showed all but three episodes of Hikaru No Go and all but ten episodes of Blue Dragon and um, all but seven of the English dubbed episodes of Zotch Bell. So, um, you know, it, it was actually a pretty good thing, but I guess for whatever reason, uh, it's no longer there. And, Damn. Um, you know, so uh, RIP Toonami Jetstream. Word. So hopefully we'll see you in the future in another format. But uh, like they stated, all, all any anybody out there that's still watching the shows or want to watch them, just go to uh, uh, www.viz.com before that shuts down. <laughs> <laughs> just joking um, and some other news from Anime News Network uh, this is for any of our European listeners or anybody that's going to be fortunate to be in uh, Pastano, Italy during April 2nd to the 5th of this year uh, they can get to go to the Cartoons on the Bay event and one of the guests of honor is drum roll please uh, Yushiyuki Tomino oh, the man. creator of Gundam Baldy's going to be there. Nice. Yeah, the old bald wizard's going to be there. Heck yes. And uh, so, and in this article, they just talk about some of the things that he's done. Of course, he created the Gundam franchise, and he was also part of uh, Raiding or Battler Dunbine. Mm-hmm. Um, and they talk about how, before he started working for Sunrise, that he started his career at uh, Mushi, Mushi Productions under the tutelage of Osama Tezuka. So, um, you know, and that he actually worked on the Astro Boy television series. So. But um, you know anybody fortunate enough to um, 
you know, be in Europe or uh, in Italy at that, around that time, go check it out. Sounds like a pretty cool event. Um, another news article here from Anime News Network, uh, and this is, I just kind of put this one in for a lot of giggles. Um, there was um, the 2008 top domestic movies at the Japanese box office, and I just wanted to kind of go, there's actually some kind of interesting ones here. Um, Soulbro, I know that you're a big fan of the 20th Century's Boys manga. Yeah. They made a movie, and yeah. it's called Chapter One, and it was the sixth highest grossing uh, domestic movie in Japan in 2008. It's also the biggest endeavor that um, the Japanese film industry has had, has done for mm-hmm. uh, a movie series, um, and they're doing it as a trilogy, just as you said. Um, the, the Part one came out this year. Part two comes out next year. Yeah, it's part three through, comes out the following, and um, they, the budget on that is huge. I, I can't wait to watch it. It's actually got picked up by, um, I just read recently, I think it was at Sundance, it got picked up with um, a distributor for the first movie to come out here in the States, so when it comes out, I'm, I'm there. It's a great manga for those who haven't read it. Um, yeah, it's uh, done by distributor distributed by Toho, and actually within the top ten, they have eight of the top ten movies. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and, and of course, some are like number four, Pocket Monsters, Diamond and Pearl, um, uh, and some other ones of, of note. <laughs> I didn't even know that they did. I knew that they did this, but I didn't realize it had come out. Uh, number fourteen was uh, Detroit Metal City. Oh, and they actually have a picture of it. And I would um, a movie. Yeah, there was a there was there was a live action. I didn't know they were, they were doing. That. Oh man, that was really off the chain. Those <laughs> it's actually pretty funny. Uh, I would <laughs> encourage anybody going to the Anime News Network to check out this article because they have most of these um, most of the um, uh, where you know most of the films they have like the title pictures or you know the the movie posters on there, and uh, they have the one for Detroit Metal City, and it is. It looks pretty good, actually. I got to get yeah. it to them, um, you know. And, and a lot of these are all anime. You know, we have things in here like uh, the Naruto Shippuden movie. Um, there was a, uh, a Shin Chan movie, Detective Conan. Um, you know, so most of the stuff, uh, you know, probably is not going to be coming over to the states <laughs> <laughs> unless through the internet. So, um, you know, but that's kind of interesting. I'd encourage everybody to go over there. Uh, now we're going to some listener submitted news articles and there's actually got some pretty good ones uh this is from wielder and i know that we were talking it's been kind of uh kind of the vaporware thing of the gundam seed movie and he got an article off of sankaku complex and um talking about they uh one of the um what is it one of uh, a blogger from the anime new tape channels uh one of their journalists was able to uh, talk to Chikati Morisawa. Oh, man. And uh, it seems like the, the film is still on. It's just that they really haven't done anything. And I know that we, we had joked a while ago when she was, they said that she was sick. Well, we take back all the, um, all the, all this snippy comments because she was actually, uh, had cancer. So, uh, wow. we hope she, that she's doing well. And she's saying that she's doing well. But, um, you know, basically, uh, there's no details dealing with, anything with um, Gundam Seed and it's going it is her intent to finish up this and the intent is that this is going to be the Seed series final story so uh, you know at least I guess on with her um, with her you know participation in there so but um, some other uh, listener submitted news articles and this comes from the Lightning Count via Anime News Network 
And I was actually kind of nice to see that they're doing this. And I'm wondering if this is going to be the unedited version. But uh, Sci-Fi Channel is going to be showing during its Anna Monday programming block after Double O finishes. They're going to be showing Rave Master. Rave Master? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. I know they showed it a while ago on Cartoon Network. They did. But was it edited? Because I've heavily. read the manga, and the manga's pretty... Uh, it's it's heavily edited. The manga's actually pretty... I mean, yeah, the manga's really good, actually. Yeah, the manga, the manga's a lot of fun. But it's and, a lot more adult. Yeah, and it, it, it's a bit more bloody. <laughs> yes. Like, some of the fights, the the protagonist is, you know, he's he's cut up, and, you know, he's bleeding all over the place. And, you know, in manga, of course, it's in black and white, so, you know, it's not as graphic. But to see it in color, yeah, I'm sure on Cartoon Network they cleaned it up a bit because it was part of the tsunami block but right um, but um um on march 16th it's gonna it's gonna premiere on the anime anime monday network or anime monday block and um they're actually gonna be um yeah they talk about it it, it was in tsunami tsunami's block back in june of 2004 and um the rave master will be followed and they're going to show it at 12 at midnight. It's going to be, sh- it's going to be followed by two repeat episodes of uh, Gurren Lagan. So oh, anybody oh. that wasn't able to watch Gurren Lagan the first time it went through on sci-fi, just wait till March. And, um, they're talking about how the double O is going to go on a break after the first season ends on February 19th or February 9th. And they're going to be, there's, they're going to be showing, um, the apple seed, um, uh, movie, I believe oh. it's going to be the new, the newer version, not the old one. Did I don't know. They might show the older one, which uh, in some ways is a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're they're going to be doing uh, the X, um, you know, for all the Clamp fans on there on February sixteenth. And uh, there's going to be, of course, Street Fighter Alpha on oh, February twenty third. <laughs> and you then Field, that. and then Straight Jack, and on March second, mm-hmm. and you know that'll be the last anime feature before um rave master and they're going to be showing ninja scroll on march 9th so they're actually every week they're going to have a little different thing on there so definitely check it out but that's kind of cool i i'm kind of um to be honest with you i was kind of surprised that they would have rave master on there it's it's a good title but it's just kind of i didn't i don't know if it really fits it's fantasy it is fantasy. It's in, it's in a yeah. fantasy world, so I mean, it, it 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 does reach. It I mean, it's not sci-fi per se, but there are some sci-fi elements, and it's it's heavily fantasy. So, I I would say it fits. I I just wish they weren't. I wish they could show other animes besides sci-fi or fantasy-based ones. But you never know; they may become daunting enough to actually show some other stuff too. But I can't knock them for Raven Master. I enjoyed that manga for what I read so, of it so far, and yeah, I think it, I think it's a cool show to show, especially if they're going to show it uncut. So. I only only can hope they do, but I, I guess that remains I think to be they seen. will. I mean, they pretty much show everything else uncut yeah. um, on that Anna Monday block, and it's at midnight, so they don't have to worry about all that standard stuff either. So, and, and it is cable, so they can kind of get away with, you know, what they want there. Yeah. But, and for those who watch it on Cartoon Network now, if they want to see it uncut, they can. So that yeah. that's an even bigger incentive. And read the manga. The manga is yeah. really good. Manga's outstanding. <laughs> <laughs> the 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 seventeenth volume seventeen volumes I've read of it so far were fun to read. So yeah, I only got up to like the fourteenth. Yeah. So, but um, all right. And this is going to be our last um, listener submitted news article, and this is from J Roy one 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 seven. And I I know a couple couples couple episodes back we had talked about uh, there was an 
uh, article on CNN.com about space elevators. Mm-hmm. And this comes from the Times in London. And uh, there is a team at Cambridge University that created the world's strongest ribbon, a cylindrical strand of carbon that combines the lightweight flexibility with incredible strength and has the potential to stretch vast differences. Well, I'm not really going to go into this article too, too much, but they're talking about space elevators. And with this new uh, carbon strand that this team from Cambridge University has created, it's really going to be able to spurn on the development of um, creating space elevators. And uh, it's a pretty interesting article. It's, it's um, it printed out. It came out to about two and a half pages. And uh, they, you know, they won the research prize that was from NASA. This Cambridge team, that four million dollar prize right. for the viability of doing, um, you know, space elevators. So uh, it's a pretty interesting. It's a pretty interesting article, and like I said, it's a lot longer than anything else. But you know, it's too long for us to really go into. But um, you know, it's it's kind of interesting, especially with us watching Double uh, O now, and you know, space elevators being a large part of that world's, um, you know, world's environment. So uh, looks like the, this stuff might actually be. Uh, sooner than later, <laughs> awesome. than what you know what we thought, but that's pretty much it on the news front here. So, Solra. Well, all right, and um, I just wanted to add we're recording this on Super Bowl Sunday, so um, for those who didn't watch the Super Bowl, and I'm sure that's a big chunk of our audience. <laughs> Maybe not. I could be wrong. Go Cardinals. But um, if you don't know it, the um, the new Transformers trailer dropped for the new live action movie. So go check that out. It looks really good. And um, you have to check it out online because by the time this gets up, oh, yeah. the Super Bowl will be done. <laughs> what I'm saying now is probably going to be old news. Everybody's already gone to YouTube to see it. But if you have it, go look it up and you, you'll be thoroughly. Um, if you like the first movie, then this one looks like they ramped up the action. But um, Celebrate the awesomeness of Michael Bay. <laughs> but um, with that said, we'll be right back for our set first segment. You're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. <laughs> Walter, I love you, but sooner or later you're going to have to face the fact you're a goddamn moron. Striking out on finding your favorite manga, anime, or series merchandise nearby or online? Lost when it comes to finding pop music from Japan, Hong Kong, and other Asian markets? Well then, Florida Oriental Trading is here to help. If you live in the Central Florida area, head on over to the intersection of Colonial Drive and Mills Avenue near downtown Orlando. You'll find FOT right next to the CVS Pharmacy. For those who live abroad, find out more about our favorite store online at FloridaOrientalTrading.com or call them directly at area code 407-895-0650. FOT carries a large selection of merchandise such as art books, t-shirts, posters, wall scrolls, soundtracks, PVC figurines, models, and much, much more. Also, it's a great place to find imports of your favorite musical artists and the latest films from Japan, Hong Kong, and other Asian countries. Last but not least, Florida Oriental Trading is not only home to the best selection of anime on DVD in Central Florida, but there you'll find a wide variety of manga too. On top of that, all of their manga is always priced at 20% less than retail, daily. 20%. That's right, Frank. 20%. 
Florida Oriental Trading is open every day except Wednesdays from 10 a.m. to 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You even find them open most holidays. So if you're local, stop on by and visit Quan and Debbie or give them a call at area code 407-895-0650. And give them the business. Tell them Gundam at MAHQ sent you. A jackass. I'm you, Bob. We talk this out. I don't see a need for that kind of language. Now, if you yeah. want to go outside right now, I'll no. take both of uh, you. We're going to vote, right Alan. We're not going to fight. We're going to oh. vote. Let's vote. I... Let's vote, and then we'll fight. I Welcome back, everybody, to Gundam at MHQ. It's uh, now review time. We're going to be doing uh, episodes four through six of Gundam Double O, and we're going to start off with episode four, the reason for fighting. Uh, some of the highlights here: it's uh, after the rescue of Hallelujah, and we see that Marina's on the on the uh, Ptolemaeus, and there's a lot of funny things that go on there where everybody thinks that sh- um, you know her and Setsa are, are lovers. Uh, we also have uh, another highlight in this episode, the, um, the actual Lyle forcing himself on Felt and getting a nice little uh, slap across the face. Uh, we also see that there is a new mobile armor that launches, and uh, it's going to be going after Celestial Being. Another thing here is Solbro's man, Saji. He's, uh, you know, helping out Ian with some of the stuff on the Ptolemaeus. So. A little bit. Other than that, put this over to Chris and Solbro. What are your thoughts of this episode? Why don't you go ahead, Solbro, since it's your man's time to shine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Sanji finally finally gets his hands a little dirty this episode. Um, It's good to see it because he's been sitting in that brig for most of the last couple episodes, and he finally, you know, felt compelled to do something to help out. Um, You know, just to see that, you know, he's starting to, I wouldn't say warm up, but he's starting to become more involved despite his disposition with Celestial being. It is cool. He's he's still trying to stay. He's still trying to remain independent from the whole scene, <laughs> while being caught up in it. And it's like, dude, you just need to get with the program. Uh, is you he really Lone do. Wolf Crossroad? What's that? Lone Wolf Crossroad. Lone Wolf Crossroad, man. He needs to put on the Terry Bogard jacket and be ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, Why I are like, you insulting I like, Terry Bogard? <laughs> I like this episode a lot. And um, but uh, what's the other thing? The scene with Felt and um, and New Lock on was pretty funny. Because you kind of thought they were going to fall into their old rhythms, yeah. And then, you know, you get to see uh, that the fact that um, Lyle is nothing like Neil. You <laughs> yeah. know, you get to see the fact that he is different, and I'm glad to see it because it would have been it would have sucked to see a carbon copy of um, the same guy. Well, what's and, what's kind of cool is like he's not a. You, you kind of got the idea that maybe he was a kind of a dick for mm-hmm. you know, and he was kind of being by forcing himself on her, but they're it, it, they're different, but they're not. It's not like you know this guy is a complete ass. And you know, and, and Neil wasn't. It's just that they're yeah. just two completely different people. But they're kind of this. You know, they kind of have that same vibe to them. Well, the whole thing about him forcing himself on Felt. I mean, the impression that I got, you know, his comments to himself after she left is that it wasn't that he was trying to force himself on her. It's just that he was trying to forcefully make the point yeah. that he's not his brother. By doing something that his brother wouldn't Would do. Would not do. Yeah. So it's not that he's like some kind of rapist or he's trying to feel her up. Oh, no, it's no. It's just that, no, he, you know, no matter how much he tried to tell people he's not his brother, 
all they kept seeing was Neil, so he basically yeah. did this to forcefully, you know, break their perception. And, and it, was, it was good too because it probably gave it gave her closure finally too, as we see yeah. later on that you know lock or you know Neil is dead. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah. On top, well, I mean, on top of that, twins, you know, don't like to be perceived as the same person. Although, you know, they have a lot of traits in common, and you know, probably from childhood, those two were probably, you know, radically different. They just look the same, yeah. and you know, maybe it was something that he just doesn't like to be looked upon as like just a replacement for his brother. He wants to stand out. Um, isn't this one of the episodes where they kind of um, foreshadow the fact that you know he may be more than what he seems? Like you know, the way he pilots a suit or something. But yeah, they've already been showing that that he pilots better than he says he does. Exactly. On top of that, isn't this one of the episodes also, speaking of lone wolves, that we also get into the um, the whole um, mystery behind Mr. Bushido and his <laughs> and his um, get-out-of-jail-free get card that he's got? <laughs> yeah, because every, everyone wants to know about you know his get-out-of-jail-free card because he's independent. And, you know, it, it's just amusing just hearing Mr. Bushido because I think this is the first episode where it's actually muttered. And it, and it, was, <laughs> and it was like... And it was muttered by that moronic fat guy Goodman. Yeah. <laughs> And it was said like nonstop. It seemed like too. Mr. Bushido, Mr. Bushido. Yeah. What, Mr. Bushido? <laughs> it's the best name in Gundam since Requiem. <laughs> oh, Requiem was just funny. <laughs> but but oh. that's that's Destiny Roundup. Oh man, don't worry, we get to that. Boy. And uh, this is where uh, Graham actually fights the Double O for the first time too, right? And then kind of recognizes from the uh, fighting style that uh, it seems to be the same. It seemed to be Setsna. His old buddy? Yeah, his old buddy. So um, pretty pretty good episode. I mean, uh, especially after um, the, the previous one where you had the whole uh, saving of Alleluia and stuff. So. I think we should also mention this is this episode marks the introduction of a new dickhead, uh, Arbalin. Oh, yes. Yeah. Is uh, played by uh, Kazuki Yao, a.k.a. Uh, Judo Ashta from uh, Double Zeta. So that makes him the third previous Gundam hero to come back now in Double um, O in a villainous role, nice joining the the, the ranks of Amuro Ray and Laurent Sihak, <laughs> which which is awesome. I'm I'm glad they're doing that. And I was one of the speculations we had before the series, season started, and it's it's cool that uh, like all these old voices are coming back. I mean, I, I I guess the one we probably won't see come back is um the voice of uh, Shar, but you never know. They might surprise us with that too, like they did in Destiny. We already had him in Destiny. Oh so. yeah, we had him by yeah. the truckload in that show. <laughs> But, um, hey, Chris, any other thoughts at all? Uh, nothing in particular about this episode. I think we just covered uh, the, the main points. That would bring us to episode five there. It will, man. It'll bring us to the main event, episode five, The Burning Homeland. And this is the great episode where um, Regine, uh, Regine Rajada, and uh, Ribbons, they, um, they finally get to meet face-to-face and have a little bit of a discussion about um, um, Tiaria's uh, place in the world. As um, Regine reveals that to him, uh, other points of interest is that this is the episode where um, Celestial Being and uh, Catheron formally meet face to face, and they bring um, Princess Marina to uh, the Catheron base where she reunites with Sharon, and of course, um, my my man, Saji Crossroad, man, he make, he's making big moves, man. Yeah. He pulls an Amaro raid. This All the ab- wrong moves. <laughs> He pulls, wow. a, he pulls an Amaro Ray this episode when he sneaks out of the um the, the stronghold in the Jeep. 
but um, not to the the greatest of effect like Amaro Ray did when he was facing off with uh, Ramba Rawl in the desert. Instead, uh, Saji meets up and wants to turn state's evidence to uh, Sergey, who happens to be at the base nearby. And he wants to confess that he's been a prisoner of celestial being over the past couple of weeks and wants to just try to wash his hands of the whole affair and only to turn out that uh, one of the other people working with Sergey turns the information in when Sergey wanted to keep it quiet. And the Federation and A-Laws turn around and um, perform a raid on the base <laughs> um, where Catheron is located and celestial being and Catheron have to, to fight to defend and um, allow the Catheron people to escape. But yeah, um, Saji goes back and um, he, he answers for his crimes to Tieria. But um, what was cool about the episode is Thierry kept it on the kept it on the DL, yeah. you know, because if Catherine found out, they would have strung my man up. <laughs> maybe maybe they're just and waiting, then the, and then the legend would be over. Oh, the yeah. legend would be done, and I'd I'd have been crying. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, I know we had a little bit of debate about this episode, but um, we'll get into that in a second. I want to know what you guys' thoughts are on what about how much of a bonehead Saji, Saji was. Well, I mean, I, I, we, I, I we, we discussed this at length. I don't get this guy. Uh, this is this is okay. where I just really didn't get him. Well, I mean, he was a prisoner of a known terrorist group. Okay, but where are you going to go in the desert with, like, no provisions, no supplies, just driving around randomly? But the thing is, is that the guy told him that there was a town nearby. Still, he's a moron. He's just a moron. But <laughs> let's, let's... I won't, I won't defend let, him being an idiot let's, in this let's, case. Let's look at it this way, though, okay. too. For being a prisoner, he sure in hell got to do what he wanted to do. They let him walk around the ship. They gave he, him... They they gave they fed him. They treated him pretty well. They were dropping him off on Cataron because they didn't want to have him on. They didn't feel that there was a need to keep him on the ship anymore for his own safety. So what does he do? It's not like they were beating him or forcing him to take part in interventions and kill people. Yeah, that's yeah. true. But, I mean, he was still scared out of his wits. And No, he was I, selfish. I, I mean, okay, okay. I, I understand. I mean, go ahead. His, her, the, the point is his survival instincts suck. Yeah. They they do. They and do. It, you don't just randomly drive off. And some guy says to you, "Yeah, there's a town nearby." Okay, where what's nearby when you're in the directionless desert? Yeah. <laughs> and and you leave without like a pair of sunglasses or a hat or some water or some supplies, and you're just driving around some pasty white kid in the middle of the desert, just out on a joyride. Yeah. <laughs> it does look suspicious. Com- yeah, but- completely out of place. <laughs> it looks a bit suspicious. A yeah. bit suspicious. And once again, this backs up that whole thing that um, Setsna said to him a couple episodes again. Yeah. You're, you know, it, 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 is your happiness the only thing that it matters? matters? Yeah. And and that's exactly showed how selfish I'm just, that his, he was. His I mean, love, his love for Louise and it has got his nose open. I'm not going front. I'm not going front. He's got his nose completely open. He's not thinking, and it's going to take something Dude, major. Dude, it's been like five this. years. What's that? It was been. It's been five years. It's been five years, but and you know he still holds a torch for this girl. Yeah, the, the but entire time. I know you wouldn't, but I'm just saying. It's not even that. It's <laughs> just that. I mean, he he's got to look at the big picture. I mean, I, I know, and the, his, his, his not viewpoint look, of the whole like situation Chris just said. I mean, very minuscule. You're I, in. You're in the. You're in the desert. Uh, he, he is. He's a pure representative of all the other selfish people in the world who are living off the. Who are living off of the. Of the of the spoils of the new of the of the new world order, and you know he doesn't want to give that up. But once he realizes his, you know, he and he will realize this whole his whole point in the matter and 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 how everything is going. I just he, he he's just being inducted into this overnight. I I can't I can't expect him to turn Patty Hearst overnight. You know, it's just. It's, but Not saying he should be Patty Hearst, but I, I know, you need to I know. if you're gonna get out of a situation, you need to like MacGyver yourself out of it with some yeah. thinking. That's yeah. true. That's Not true. Just, Let me run away. I'm gonna, I must yeah. run away. Well, for an engineer, he he fell short on planning. 
<laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's all I got to say about about the king, the king's failure in this episode. While well, stand down. <laughs> but um, aside from that, what were your other thoughts on the episode? With the, all the all the other cool events that happened. Well, like, I mean, like with the, the attack, thing. you can definitely see. You're, once again, we're seeing just the whole ruthlessness of Alos and mm-hmm. how they just don't want anybody that has any type of voice of opposition to 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 live. Oh, yeah. And I mean, they're just total, total destruction. And you know, it's starting to be in this point where I, I know that there's a lot of um, a lot of comparisons with them and the Titans in Zeta. But man, it just seems like these people—they uh, have really no remorse of releasing like those automatons and you know the automations and you know allowing them to kill the people. And it's just at least in Zeta, some of the Titans you could see that they. You know, even some of the ones that were conscripted from the Federation, they weren't always down with that. And then you're not really seeing it, except for Soma. And, you know, that's really it, though. And Kati. Kati. And in Soma's case, she was also conscripted because yeah. she was transferred into A-Law. She didn't have a choice about it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And with Katia, you know, she's, you know, there as, like, an inside man. So it's not like she's there because she wants to be. But then by the same token, she does want to legitimately defeat the Gundam, so it's kind of like a dual purpose thing. And, yeah. uh, and although Graham is out for self, you know he's a decent person, you know, he's a decent human being. Um I don't know about that. I mean he this guy's become pretty this guy's become pretty messed up in the last four years. I mean yeah. he, he was already he was already cuckoo for cocoa puffs at the end of season <laughs> one and now we yeah. see him four years later. He's not the same guy he was before. That no, is true. Would, would you think he would go to genocidal means in order to accomplish what he wants to? I mean, he I, wouldn't because he skips out on uh, you know these these Alaw's attacks because he's so single-mindedly obsessed with Setsuna and the Gundam. But he wouldn't stop. Yeah, he wouldn't get involved in things that don't relate to his obsession. Yeah. That's true. But he's become so selfish and so obsessed with Setsuna and the Gundam that. Uh, He's not the same guy that he was before. He's totally gone off the deep end. Yeah, he turns a blind eye to it. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't help with the massacres, but he also didn't try to stop them. Yeah, very and, true. And he he really had no. You didn't see any remorse or any repulsion or anything like that. Where he's just like he saw it going on, and it's just like, okay, fine. Where's the, Where's the Gundam? Give me a Gundam, and that's all he cares <laughs> about. So uh, yeah, I mean they are. They, they are really getting into as, as um, you know, as we've talked before with some of these other groups that in you know these other Gundam shows, Alaws man for being like the fifth episode that they've really shown up in. They're they're really up there in the ruthlessness and yeah, they're giving the Titans a run for their money. They really are. Really? It took the Titans quite a while before they started using colony lasers and uh, gassings, mass gassings. Whew. Yeah, I mean the thirty bunch incident was like well, but that was before the show. Yeah, that was before the show started. What do you guys think of um, the end of the episode? uh, Ali showing up in a new Gundam and completely breaking the fourth wall. Oh yeah, (laughs) (laughs) and sort of looking right at you in a very creepy way. Yeah, I was was expecting him to say spatula there for a second. (laughs) Yeah, that was um, it was cool. But any reason why they did that? I I wonder. Chris, I mean, because Ali's crazy. Yeah, because he can. Because he can. <laughs> he can break. He can break the fourth wall if he wants to. <laughs> <laughs> and talk about kooky, man. Kooky for Cocoa Puffs, man. It's like, jeez. You thought he was sadistic before. He's even worse now. He's just burning down his Adistan. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Speaking of cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, uh, any more comments about this episode? No. no I think we hit them all. We, we hit the majority of it. Yeah. All right. Uh, then that leads us to episode six, Scar, <laughs> where you got Catheron thinking that Celestial Being might have betrayed them, and then Thierry uh, confronts King Arthur. Oh, yeah. And tells him, 
you're a freaking moron. Do you have any idea of the consequences of your actions? And, I know you say for that. You know, <laughs> you better come with us, or all of these guys are going to kill you if they find out. Yeah. Which is funny because um, I think in season one, sorry, Chris, but I think in season one, Tiari would have left them. <laughs> yeah, he would have. He'd been like, get the hell out of here or I'll shoot you myself. Yeah, exactly. One of the big highlights of the episode is we finally get the backstory about Sumeragi and Katie, that they were both in the uh, AEU and there was a friendly fire incident where uh, Sumeragi's lover was killed. <laughs> oh, yeah. Emilio. Wasn't that his name? Emilio. Emilio. <laughs> And that's the sort of like dark stain on on both their paths, but especially Sumeragi's, you know, since she's the alcoholic and and Katie isn't. Uh, Another revelation, which really just came out of nowhere, is that we find out that uh, Hong Long, rather than just being uh, Wang's manslave, he's actually her brother. Brother. What was up with that? That was when, when when I heard him say that, I was just like, why? It's just like, why, why say that, and, and why is this important to show all of a sudden that now he's her brother? Yet he still calls her, like... Mistress and like stuff, yeah. Mistress and, and lady, and it's like, wait, what, what kind of, like, freaking weirdo relationship do you two have going on there? Yeah. No, I mean, it, maybe it kind of... Maybe maybe it's kind of their formal way of addressing each other, because um, maybe because uh, of... I don't know. If yeah, it, but if, she treats him like a servant. She does. Yeah. He does, and I don't. I don't. I don't. And he acts like one. Yeah. But he's her brother. I don't know. Maybe in that family, it's like it, the tradition that like the the inheritor of the family becomes like you know the, the head, and like everyone else has to like serve her. Maybe I don't know. That's what makes sense to me. It's like royalty. It's still unto weird itself. that they would. Yeah, it's still weird that they would choose to throw that out. Um, you know, here at this point, it seemed unnecessary and kind of just unwarranted a little bit. Well, at, at least it goes a bit. At least it goes to show the degree that he'll go to protect her and 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 whatnot because there are blood. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm just I'm I'm guessing this. Maybe, uh, I understand maybe, that 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 part I don't understand. But yeah. like like Chris said, I mean, just the whole like you know. He's he acts like Alfred, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, he's a real interesting dude, man. Like we got to see a little bit of him last season, you know, helping to rescue um, the one of the what is, is the Green Hornet? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like Kato, <laughs> <laughs> he's he's freaking Kato from the Green Hornet, and you know he was he was awesome. Those few minutes he was there helping out Lockon and the gang, and then you know that's all the action you really get to see him do, man. I, I hate to be up and against he went him. Went back man. to and then he went back to serving tea and flying the shuttle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's the. That was and, and just just standing there while she pontificates evilly about how the world must change or be destroyed, <laughs> and probably to think to himself, "What kind of a crazy bitch do I have for a sister?" Yeah, <laughs> he probably is. <laughs> so another another thing we got, of course, a uh, battle that ends on a cliffhanger. You've got Setsuna fighting against Bushido. <laughs> You've got Alleluia engaging Soma and trying to get her to stop fighting. And, um, of course, uh, Louise, being uh, also cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, flies in to try to destroy the Ptolemaeus, and Saji ends up manning one of the beam cannons, and he's targeting her, and he's telling him, shoot, shoot, you moron, frickin' shoot, we're gonna die. (laughs) The end. Yeah. Saji. The look on um, what's his name? Um, the look on the old man's face. I forget his. Ian. Ian. Le- thank you, Ian's face. Yeah. Are you gonna shoot, to, dude? Hey, I mean, said, come on. Are you are you gonna fire? Yeah. Are you gonna do this? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> geez. 
<laughs> she's shooting at you. Now, here's the what I hate about Saji at the end because it's kind of invalidated by at the beginning of the next episode, mm-hmm. the ship turns away before he gets to fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I can understand he doesn't agree with celestial beings' ideas of armed intervention and fighting. But man, if you don't even have the survival instinct to defend yourself when someone is attacking you, yeah. you are just a failure of a person. Yeah, I didn't get that. I mean, I don't I mean, I don't want to kill anybody, honestly, but you know, if someone's coming at me with like a knife or some weapon, I'm going to defend myself, and if I have to kill them, so be it. I'm not going to just let them walk over me and kill me, yeah, and, regardless of what my political beliefs are or theirs are. Yeah, and, and, the, and the thing that kind of gets me is he was so dead set on redeeming himself, and he was, you know, he was mad because he saw what A-Laws did to those people, yeah. that you think that that would just kind of take, take you over a little bit, but... But nope. Uh, he was still like, I don't want to be like Celestial Big. If I kill, I'll be like them. Well, I mean, at least he held up to his principles, and it turned out to be a hypocrite. When his own life is in danger, he's going to shoot someone. Granted, if I was in that situation, I would have damned fired but you know but he couldn't yeah that's the that's the thing yeah. he couldn't bring himself to do it yeah he couldn't even bring himself to defend himself let alone anybody else yeah damn i guess he wouldn't make a good gun to pilot <laughs> I mean, I mean, if you really, if you really think about it too, I mean, celestial being has gone out of their way to protect this guy. Yeah. And even though you might not agree with their, um, you know, their arm interventions and, and some of their beliefs, you know, you, you do have to kind of, you know, especially in a situation like that where you know they're 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 putting their lives on the line to protect you, well, and and you can't even press press button, you know, press the right trigger. Yeah. <laughs> well, if him him and Setsuno weren't perfect strangers, you know that. <laughs> <laughs> and since no vouched for him, you know everything would, you know, know he it probably wouldn't be the way it and, is now. But. And Louise, does she um, is, is, did she somehow grab a Rala Crusade's pillbox? <laughs> <laughs> Gotta pop the p- 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 pills. <laughs> Look at the same pharmacist. I mean, <laughs> like the dude, like the like the <laughs> like the dude in igloo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, we'll get to that in a future round. Oh, we but, sure yeah, will. They, they all they all go to the Gundam <laughs> pharmacist because apparently everyone in Gundam uh, who's on pills like has to like nervously grab a bottle and then they all just start shaking violently. Yeah. And then you, you got, they got to like swallow down and practically choke on like a whole handful of pills and then they become magically better. Yeah, it's, it's funny that you know they're they're not like they're not like gel tabs or anything, but they're actually you know they're actual regular pills, pressed pills. But in you know after putting them in your body for 30 seconds they mysteriously dissolve like instantaneously <laughs> yeah although man that guy in igloo he pops those things like they're freaking tic tacs oh, yeah man. yeah good stuff again we'll get to we'll get to that when we get to the roundup for igloo at some point I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and of course um you know trans am now has become super saiyan uh, you know, it's like you, you couldn't really do it before, and if you, when you did it, it left the Gundam pretty powerless. Now it seems like everybody's just doing it on w- every chance they get. Trans, <laughs> Trans Am spam. Hey, man, you know, for all the people who complain about Trans Am, if you are fighting and you have a weapon that has an ability, you'd be stupid not to use it. Oh, of course. Yeah. And the thing is, from the perspective of the viewer, yes, I can understand that it gets boring if it gets used too much, which I don't think it does. No. But by the same token, if they never used it, then people would complain, oh, they have this weapon if they could yeah. they, they, could, they could finish this train. Why don't they use a Trans Am? So it's just another one of those, you know, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of thing. Yeah, I know. I just, I was just, I just, I'm not thinking that way. I just am actually, No, I'm, yeah. I'm just saying that that's one of the criticisms and that's the reality that if they use it 
then it's accused of being used too much and the fights are stupid. And if you don't use it, it's like, oh, they're stupid. Why don't they use these weapons they have? Well, and it's been pretty much um, documented throughout the previous season and this season that, you know, these battles don't last that long. Um, you know, when, when these suits get damaged, uh, even the Gundams, you know, they, the, the battle's pretty much done. So it, it would make a lot more sense, like you said, to use something especially if you're in a, a jam, to use uh, Trans Am, you know. So, uh, yeah, it's it's not like they're walking around in Trans Am now like they did in Dragon Ball when it's, they were just it, walking around Super Saiyan. Yeah, and Trans Am, you know, let's not forget, only has a three-minute limit. Yeah, it's like nitrous. Yeah. <laughs> during, during the street race, man, you'd yeah. be fool not to use you're it. Gonna, yeah, you'd be dumb not to use it. Hit the knobs. You got a full tank, man. Might as well flip the switch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Any other comments on this episode? Not really. I mean, it's just another great batch of three episodes to, uh, you know, continue the story on and doing a lot of questions and, uh, you know, a lot more, you know, as we'll see later on when we do the other episodes, how, how everything's going. But I, I just had to highlight the, um, the bright slap, all rights reserved moment of the episode <laughs> when Tiaria slaps the taste out of um, Saji's mouth. <laughs> he should have got bright. He should have got a bright airlock. He should have oh, got the uh, Battlestar Galactica airlock thing. Next time you spaced. <laughs> Next time you pull that bull, I'm tossing you out the nearest airlock. <laughs> he should. He should have gotten the uh, the Cali. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Oh, Saji, you'll learn. You'll learn through pain. You will learn. Or or he won't. But uh, yeah. Anyway, I think that uh, wraps it up for us. Uh, we'll be right back. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. I know you. And I know when you got something brewing. I know it. What I got brewing? You what I got brewing, right? You tell me. You done lost your dumb damn mind. All right, everybody, welcome back to uh, Gundam at MHQ, and we're going to be spotlighting the 16th installment of Gundam Roundup, and we're actually starting to count them down, guys. And just like a couple episodes ago, a couple installments ago, um, there was the highly anticipated Gundam Wing segments. Uh, we actually are going to probably the second most uh, anticipated one, and that would be uh, Mobile Suit Gundam Seed, uh, the first Gundam show of the 21st century. And first one done after a few years after turn A. And it's an alternative century. It's set in what's called the Cosmic Era. And the story revolves around what's called the Bloody Valentine War, which began because of the Bloody Valentine incident. It's a war between Earth and these colonies in space. Now, kind of the twist that they've put on this is most of the people on Earth are normal humans like ourselves. But most of the people in the colonies are what are called coordinators, which are basically genetically engineered humans from birth and they have special traits and kind of the big thing is they fight back in this war using mobile suits and coordinators are able to use them because of the technical ability and, and there's some kind of very thin plot device on why they're able to use them at first. Of course Earth is getting beaten up because they don't have the mobile suits and they're trying to develop their, their own it kind of mirrors a little bit of the one-year war where you have students from a colony getting trapped onto the new experimental Earth Alliance battleship with the new mobile weapons. And the kind of twist on this is the main character, Kira Yamato. 
He is a coordinator, and he's actually been hiding it. He gets he gets to pilot the strike Gundam, which is the lead Gundam of the first half of the series, and which is the remaining um, Gundam that is. There was five Gundams that were done, and this was the remaining one that was not jacked by the Zaf forces, which are <laughs> the people from the colonies. So kind of follows a lot of things uh we go basically from space to earth and earth to space again culminating in a large battle at the end with doomsday weapons character deaths and the like and just like we've always done in gundam roundup i've really breezed over the plot of this one but i've especially done it on this one because there is a lot this, like we said earlier, was probably one of the most interesting of the, uh, uh, you know, one of the mo- has one of the more rabid fan bases along with uh, Gundam Wing. But I will just kind of go off, you know, it's going to be myself, Soulbro, and Chris, and we're going to be joined by a uh, special guest from the Hatagon in Hate Valley, Florida. Uh, and he's Austin. Uh, any other monikers you'd want to go by, Austin? I go by the Sultan of Hate, the Black Heart, the Darkness. Um, hate Lightning. The second coming. <laughs> hate Lightning, the second coming of Orochimaru. <laughs> I mean, you name it. You name it, I probably hate it, and I, I go by it. Just like we've done in, in some of the other roundups when it, we had some guests on there, we're going to have Austin start this up. And uh, Austin, give us some of your... Your thoughts, uh, experiences when it comes to the Gundam Seed show? Well, I'm going to have to say that Seed is probably my favorite Gundam show out of possibly all of them, even the current ones right now. Um, I basically liked everything about it from the political standpoint, the mech designs, character relations. Also, I was a fan of the artwork. I mean, because I do like that guy, even though most people can't stand the guy that draws Seed because he does uh, some of the other stuff and everyone looks like. I, I say whatever to that. <laughs> Other than that, I mean, I also love the music. I think it was one, probably one of the first Gundams that started, you know, using a lot of the mainstream music and, you know, changing it, change, uh, changing up all the, uh, you know, changing up the title show, uh, titles, like opening themes, basically like what every, I think, 15 episodes or so. So I mean, I en- I enjoy the music a lot, and uh, that's basically it. All right, Soulbro, what are some of your aspects of? of uh, Gundam Seed. I definitely drug my feet on watching this series. Um, No particular reason. I was a little um, put off by a few things about the show, but I mean, there were just minor things, you know, like superficial things. Like, I I wasn't a big, unlike Austin, I wasn't a big fan of the art style. I thought it was kind of a hearkening back to the old um, Bishonen type look for um for a gundam series and these are all things that you know i i had preconceived judgments about the show before i actually sat and watched it and it wasn't for neo who um probably exactly just like it wasn't as bad as as g gundam Gundam. no it it was pretty bad i i I finally sat down and watched the show and um even though the beginning of it is a kind of a slow grind once it gets to once they get to earth and everything starts popping off and then when you get into the um the arc where they're in um alaska and it's mm-hmm. like that was like this like this show was awesome and it took off for me from that point on i wasn't a big fan of the some of the some of the people in the cast but you know i did like kira to some degree um i thought i liked that he was although a perfect um specimen of human being thanks to the whole benefit of eugenics he was a very flawed person you know and you know they the series brought out his flaws and you know, he had to he had to overcome each one at one at a time, and you know he was he was developed throughout the series. I like that, um, but for the most part, it's an enjoyable show. It's a nice retelling of uh, the Mobile Suit Gundam Legend. 
uh, which I guess was his intention. And a, a odd note, when, when I was first told about this show, before you know, way before it, when the production on it started, someone told me it was called Mobile Suit Gundam C, as in the letter C. <laughs> and um, <laughs> later on, I found out it's C, and it's like, what the heck was this? What the heck was that person that was telling me this smoking? So um, it was just kind of funny. I always will remember that from here on out. Chris, what were your thoughts well, on? Oh, actually, oh, um, Neil. Yeah, let me let me go. Well, you. Cause... Yeah, but um. Back to you. Actually, um, I was watching the show as it was coming out in Japan. I had anticipated the new Gundam show, and, and I enjoyed it. And I, I, yeah, it, there is a little bit of slowness, especially once they get on Earth and you know trying to get over to Alaska. But once they get into orb and you know some of the things that go on there, it really gets kicked into its own type of show. Uh, characters, uh, a lot of the characters I did like, even some of the supporting people. Um, you know, it, it is one. I always claim it to be one of these shows where, or actually, I always claim the show to have two leads. And I, I think actually the first half is the Kiri Yamato show, and then <laughs> towards at, uh, halfway through, once Atherin gets his mid-season upgrade, that's when it kind of becomes the Atherin. It becomes more about Atherin Zala, and it almost seems like. Kira kind of takes a little bit of a backseat because of some of the drama that goes on with Atherin and, you know, his connections with, uh, you know, his father being the leader of the Zaf forces and leader of the coordinators and, you know, all kind of his kookiness that kind of matches the kookiness of the alliance, i.e. Uh, genocidal maniacs. I think it's a pretty solid show. Um, I'm with Austin. The music's incredible, especially once you... You know, once you start getting into the battles, um, you know, once they get back up in the space and, and they're priming for the final battle, it's um, the music within it really sets the mood and sets the tone. You know, it's a great show. What is that I'm hearing? Uh, it sounds like, oh, sounds like a bus is coming into, in, into station here. Is that the, <laughs> the Straight Talk Express? Oh. So uh, I think it's time for a little Straight Talk from... Uh, the, the bald wizard himself. My friends vote for me in November. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Chris, I know everybody's waited with bated breath, and I think it's definitely this might actually be uh, probably a mixture of the straight talk and the fact check express too on here. I would imagine. Okay, contrary to popular opinion, I don't hate this show because I sure got a whole lot of flack when I was reviewing this show, and a whole boatload of hate mail and flame wars and everything that you could possibly imagine over my reviews of this show. So, pro tip for all the people who think that I hate Seed, I own Seed. The entire TV series, the special editions, MSIAs, a stray manga, I own it all. I can attest so, to that. Yeah, he can. He's seen it. We talk about it all the time. And, and you, know yeah. what's, you know what's weird, Chris? As I was reading your reviews as you were doing them for MHQ at that time uh, when the show was coming out and as you were reviewing them. And I never really got the tone that you hated the show. And it always kind of struck me when, when I would hear this stuff and see it on the forums or whatever and various other places that you had this big dislike. And I was like, I never really got the, the tone of that from your reviews. Well, I think it came down to, you know, if you weren't creaming your pants over the shiniest, newest thing, you are biased and wrong. That's that's the impression I got from everything. But here's here's what I think about the show. Um, you know, I was of course excited there was gonna be a new Gundam show, and then you know some translations came out of the early materials, and it sounded like it was gonna be like a one year war redux, which had me a little bit cautious. But I said, what the hell, you know? New show is a new show, so I walked into it with an open mind. 
But, you know, obviously I was a little less than impressed that, you know, the first half of the show is kind of just a, a, a copy of the original series. And if you look through, you know, my comments in each of those episodes, the sort of theme that runs through them is show some originality. Yeah. Not, you know, this show is the suck source. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, the, the, the premise of that universe is really interesting. And, you know, it could have been, you know, a lot more interesting, but it just wasn't in that first half. And a lot of people who, you know, want to defend this show say that, oh, it's supposed to be a remake of the original series or it's an homage or blah, 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 blah. But I don't really buy that because if it was a straight remake, it would have been with, you know, Amuro Ray and Shara's novel and all of these characters, you know, it just takes these elements and pops them in. I mean, would anyone say that uh, Dragonar is a remake of the original Gundam series? Because it also takes a lot of the same elements. Oh, yeah. Mm, no. Nobody would say, say that, that Dragonar no. is a remake. It takes all of those elements from Gundam, but then it uses them in a different way. Seed takes a lot of elements from Gundam and uses them in kind of the same way, in some ways a little bit different. But they're not remakes. Mm -hmm. So I think a distinction needs to be made from just aping elements from something else versus a full-on remake. And I don't think that Seed is a full-on remake, nor do I think Destiny is a remake of Zeta, or that Double O is a remake of Wing and Zeta. If a remake is a remake, it should be apparent. Yeah. And it's not in any of these cases. I think, uh, I think you make a good point, and also that, you know, Basically, everything's been done before. Everything's been done. So the only thing you really can do is take from you know the old and revamp it. And that's basically what C does. Yeah, it's, that's a pretty good point because um, you know there's very few when it really comes down to new ideas when it comes to telling stories. And usually, if there is something new, it's just one very finite thing. You know, it's not the whole process. You know, you you're, you still have all those kind of twists where it's like. You have, um, you know, the, the, you know, the super secret and, you know, all of a sudden, or, you know, the twist of I'm your brother or I'm, you know, I was, you know, I'm your father, Luke, or something like that. I mean, and, and everybody's, everybody has that. And, you know, it's just, it, it is, it is painting it a little harshly, um, you know, saying that, oh, it's just a direct ripoff or directs, um, you know, of, of this and that. And I think this might actually be, the start of where we were getting a lot of, um, uh, you know, a lot of this this trolling behavior that we talked about in last episode about, um, you know, of uh, everything just because it has an aspect of something that is a complete ripoff of, you know, something else. Well, I'm not going to say it's a ripoff because it's not, but, no. I mean, the first half of the show really follows the original series just a bit too closely, you know down to things like spaceship ends up at allied fortress and they think all these guys are going to help them but then the yeah. guys turn out to all be dicks and arrest them i mean it's like come on that's just following a little bit too closely but even then there are things that i did enjoy the show did have some really nice mecha designs i i really really liked the strike i mean that's one of my favorite designs uh zaft had some great designs the gates um, yeah the sagu you know that's some some yeah, uh, I will agree with Austin. The music in that show is really good. I mean, I listen to the Seed soundtracks all the time. 
especially the music in the second half. You know, the show, to its credit, you know, around this roughly like the mark where 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 Nickel dies, you know, the show starts to speed up its pacing because the pacing of the first half is just so slow. And I made a note of this in my review, and I still don't like this when I've watched the show subsequently. That you'll have an episode with a battle, yeah. then you have a really slow-paced episode of teen drama, then a battle. Then another episode of a slow-paced teen drama. Then a battle. Like, it got to be really, really predictable. Like, every other episode, you know, was something like this. I mean, I don't... You don't have to have a battle every freaking minute of every episode, but it gets predictable that it's one-off, 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 one-off like this in the first half of the show. Yeah, it seems like the the war story just... It would be like, you know, something with the war story and then personal relationships or personal tragedy next episode and yeah another thing in terms of the characters there were a lot of characters that i like Mu, partially because he's just the the senpai type um <laughs> i didn't really identify much with kira or like him much i always liked athrin a lot more because Same here. you could really see the struggle that athrin was going through about so many things about you know having to fight his friend about what he believes in about the military what he believes in about his father yeah. i always thought that he was much more of a heroic character and i kind of wish that he had been the star of the series rather than kira i always got and this might just be my interpretation of it but i always felt that once once he went back and his father gave you know once the freedom was stolen spoiler alert everybody once the freedom was stolen uh, by what? Kira. What? got stolen? Yeah. Once it was stolen and, and uh, he was given the, uh, you know, the justice to go follow him, that's when it seemed like kind of the whole entire tone of the story became, um, you know, kind of the Atherin Zala uh, story because it seemed like things were a lot more uh, harsher on him and, you know, it seemed like a lot of the, a lot of the, the, the real tough decisions he was always kind of on and, and, and thinking there and, it, you know, Kiro, Kiro was still kind of the main character, but it seemed like he really took a back seat there. I don't know. That's just maybe my impression. Uh, so. I, I kind of felt that Athen was a little bit just too much, uh, too indecisive, some, like a lot through the story. It's just like, I, I, it really pissed me off sometimes where it was like he had this really bugging look on him. And it's like sometimes it, I just got really annoyed. Well, I would say, honestly, it's not as bad as when he went into Destiny, but. I think if you kind of put yourself in the situation that he had, and like Chris had stated, that you know, here's a guy. His mother died in the, in the tragedy, the Bloody Valentine incident. His father is the leader of the becomes the leader of the Zaf forces, and is saying one thing, and then later on has a completely entire interpretation of what he wants in the war. He finds out that you know the main pilot, the main ace of the Earth Federation, is his friend. He's seeing his his friends getting killed, like uh, Rusty and and Nico and those guys, and it, you know he was just kind of starting to question, you know, what he wanted to do. So, I I don't it didn't it didn't bother me as much as it did in, in Destiny when it came. Yeah, to in Destiny that. he was a punk, but it's understandable his indecisiveness because everything he believes in is being turned upside down, and he doesn't know yeah. what to do. Something that definitely has to be mentioned which can't be avoided, is uh, clip shows and flashbacks. Oh, yeah. Uh, Which this show has an overabundance of, and I think it was Neo-Era from the dearly departed Ganoda who coined the term flashback-em-all Fukuda. Yep. (laughs) Because I have never seen a show that feels the need to flashback things that happened in that same episode (laughs) so much, or something that happened in the previous episode, 
or something yeah. that happened five episodes ago. I mean, I swear to God, in this one show, how many times did they show the blitz gun getting <laughs> baseball yeah. batted to oblivion? Yeah. I mean, they must have showed it like five times in the next episode after it first happened. Well, it, it always seemed to me that this show was kind of a work in development. You know, it just... It, it, it there was it was a core story laid out, but there were some fine finer details that I don't think that the creators had worked out until they came upon those episodes. You know, I, 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 they may have had a master plan, and maybe someone derailed them somewhere along the way. But there are some story elements in this series that really bug me, like um, the whole Laflaga family thing, how that wasn't fully you know explored, yeah. and then they they hit you with they hit you with this twist where, between Mu and and Raul La Cruce. That is absolutely engaging, but, you know, they really don't go too much into it. Um, you know, and then the fact that Kira's connected to all this and, you know. It, yeah, it was and, made at the same facility. Yeah, the same yeah. facility. And it's like there were coincidences, which I wouldn't have minded the coincidences so much. Yeah. If they were fleshed out more and there weren't so many damn flashbacks and, you know, it was just it was so much retread and so much time wasted in the first arc of the series that the second arc kind of suffers because they don't have a lot of time to go into these stories and then they worsen it by putting these clip shows in there and flashbacks and whatnot and i just don't think that they had the structure that other gundam series have had and they had like everything mapped up like they should or maybe someone someone changed the changed the playbook at the last minute so they had well, to go with that's something basically else. what happens that's basically what happens when bandai doesn't take control of the project like they should have been doing like they're doing with double o yeah and and cold years i mean you see there, it's like everything's flowing together. At least, you know, it makes sense. And not to compare it to later series like Double O, but another, Double O seems to be a lot more structured. It seems to yeah, have its exactly. head always in the game. Um, and, and, and this is just my, my, my looking back on Seed and Destiny. Those shows just didn't have consistency and that's what mm, bugged me about I, them both. I don't I I wouldn't lump both them in there I really? think yeah I mean seed I think was seed, much better seed it was had, much better seed had it but yeah. I think they, they did spend a little bit too much time at the beginning mm -hmm. but like I said once you get to the the orb arc where they bring in the astray girls yeah Moo gets uh -huh. and Moo gets the the strike the handed down strike yeah the show takes its own path and there is kind of a resolution at the end where here's they're trying to take the ideals of a neutral third party party that yeah. everybody wanted to get a piece of Zaf and, and, and the Earth Alliance wanted a piece of Orb and they took the ideals of that country and they were trying to, you know, do it. So, so I, mean, I, I think that's a little that's a, that's a little a little difficult to say, but Yeah, for all its faults it has a clear beginning, middle and yeah. end yeah. and you can put all of the pieces together and they all make sense for the most part. Destiny is a complete train wreck and on a whole other scale. Oh yeah. And we'll yeah. definitely get into that. But sec the second and third acts do save the series. And I, I got to say that it it's nothing compared to Destiny. And um, it's so much better. But I kind of do enjoy that. That uh, I, think I think what I thought what picked up the show a lot, though, was um, when, he when he added in the seed burst. And I felt that, you know, yeah. it solidified a lot of stuff. Because, I mean, it was, like you said, uh, I mean, like Neil was saying, it was, you know, kind of boring. It, you know, it was, you know, you were waiting for stuff to happen. And I think I, as soon as I think it was like episode eight or so. They put that in there. I mean, I it caught my attention, and I was like, you know, enthralled. Yeah. And I was like, waiting for some more stuff like that. And I'd have to say the um, the uh, um, the fight sequences um, were pretty good. Um, I, I I think I honestly think that um, the final battle between uh, Rala Crusade and um, and Kira is one of the better final battles in oh, yeah. all of Gundam. And that is my, well, I feel that's what, that's my number one final battle. And you know. As as much as poor Kira gets painted as kind of an emo whiner, 
I think really thanks towards the end of the series, he you know he really manned up and he really needed to do what was happening. Now he did have that hiccup there where he just kind of stopped fighting as a shuttle blew by, <laughs> but um, you know, but but other than that, I mean, the the other crowning achievement was um, you know the the kind of the uh, sub boss fight between um, Mulaflaga and Rala Crusade with uh, <laughs> Mu in a, a very outdated, outmanned uh, mobile suit going against uh, you know Uber God suit that showed up uh, you know second to, second to last episodes. So, hey, but you know what? Moo had one of the best death scenes I've ever seen. He was only to have it completely only undone. to have it taken away. Yeah, yeah. But that and was, we'll get I, that I, in Destiny. <laughs> <laughs> but there's something else I need to I need to mention about uh, you know the flashbacks because it, it is such a pervasive issue. Obviously, the uh, the audience for this show is kids, but it's like there's so many flashbacks about so many minor points. It's kind of like even though it's for kids. It's sort of like it's underestimating its audience. Yeah, yeah that is true. Because every previous Gundam show was for kids, and they didn't rely on this sort of like laziness so much. Another thing, since like Sobro mentioned, some of the plot points that come out of nowhere, like this whole thing of Kira being the ultimate coordinator, they make such a big deal out of it, but it really doesn't impact the story much at all. It's like, okay, he turned out exactly like he was supposed to be. Big big deal i mean what does that represent rao you know was always sort of just like a mystery guy who was like not there for half the series and then him becoming like the final ultimate villain spouting all sorts of nonsense i didn't really buy him as a villain with his motivation i could sort of see his motivation but i think the motivation of the frost brothers in x is kind of similar but was done a lot better because you could see throughout the series what their gripes were and suddenly this guy out of nowhere is like oh yeah i'm the clone guy and you know you know i was rejected by the world so i'm gonna judge the world and destroy everything well i think he just believed in chaos he just didn't care you know as he was playing both sides yeah i honestly think that they, it was just their attempt to have not the justified heavy at the end you know not, not to, to kind of break from the norm of um you know we always have this we always have this baddie that you can kind of see his point and you can kind of sympathize with him and maybe he, what he's doing is, is, is right. But, um, you know, it's, it's just that he ends up being on the wrong end of the winning side. I, I, I always kind of, kind of got, that's what I kind of thought they were doing now. Of course I'm just speaking. But I kind of think though, especially for Rao, um, his intentions kind of changed after the, uh, the whole, um, that whole incident on the, uh, on that car, on the abandoned colony. Yeah. He let everything out because, I mean, if you think about it, he was cool and calm t- throughout the entire time. And it's just like that one incident just, you know, made him blow a gasket. And, you know, he wasn't yeah. the same after that. Yeah, I he... think that's what caused him to be crazy on our crap because he just didn't – he didn't like the truth himself even though he knew the truth. Yeah. And, I mean, even repeating it out, you know, out, you know, out loud and stuff. And when people saw his face and so forth, I think that's what blew his gasket. So he started doing things that was out of character, but, you know. I mean, I think that's why it resulted in him doing doing what he did. I mean, I, it kind of made sense to me that way. No, that's true. I'd have to, ha- I have to say um, one of the things I love about Seed is breast physics. Itagaki <laughs> <laughs> would be proud of this uh, <laughs> of that show. Well, actually, S and K would be proud. S&K they were, they, they're, be, they're the originators. The originators of, um, of breast physics. Breast man. physics, because um, <laughs> one of one of one of the recycled scenes I never got sick of was seeing uh, Captain Romulus bounce around when the ship would get hit. That was the reused animation. That was uh, always no, actually in, my. I, I think my favorite one would be in the opening credits when you see her breasts bounce. Yes, that's. <laughs> 
I was just about to mention that. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I was like, let me rewind that. Yeah. <laughs> Although, you know, they, they went for three for three when they had the Archangel and the Dominion fighting each other, and you had her bouncing around, and then when the Dominion got hit, suddenly you had Natarol and Flay bouncing around, too. And, 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 and Ramia still but had... They they were, but they were even worse because they're just convulsing so violently while sitting in place. Like, yeah. Oh, God. The, the, the two of them did not equal Ramius on that point. I think my only gripe with the show was the horrible crying acting. Oh, they could man. cry for a lick. Uh, yeah. It, it, sounded like, it sounded like a cat being murdered in the background. Well, what did, what did, what did you watch then? Uh, the Japanese and... I the saw English? the Japanese version. Yeah. Japanese. It, it, was, it was kind of bad. The guy that did Kira, uh, I just didn't buy it all the time. And Sai, oh, I, I think Sai's was worse than Kira, though. Uh, Kigali's was pretty bad, too. <laughs> yeah, way too much crying in that show. And another thing that would be remiss if we didn't mention, I think one of the, the biggest problems of the show is the seed itself. Yeah. Because they make such a big deal about the seed factor, and they never explain what it is. They only mentioned it in, like, one episode, and it, that, was, uh, that was a review episode, like, uh, you know, an episode. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't just there. It was also uh, the blind guy, Malkio. He also yeah, the reverend like, guy. Oh, yeah. oh, this guy, Kira, he has the seed factor. But since they never explain what it actually is, the seed burst itself basically is not much more than like a power-up mushroom. Yeah. <laughs> it's a glorified power-up mushroom. I'm still waiting for a Gundam named Seed to come out in that series. Because <laughs> that show... <laughs> <laughs> that show, every time they have like you know they put the title you know the title explains what kind of gun you're gonna get in the end. Well, I and I I know this is another thing, and it might be something we just want to talk about too. Is you know we've talked before about it seemed like you got ever increasing amounts of Gundams in a show, and you know really let's kind of look at it this one. You have what you have the original five, the the strike, the Buster, the duel, the Aegis, and the Blitz. And then later on, you get the mid-season upgrades of Freedom and Justice, mm-hmm. and then the end-of-season upgrade of Providence, and then you have the other three Don't Gundams. Don't forget, uh, yeah. yeah the other three Gundams with the druggies. And Strikerish. Yeah, and the Strikerish. So, I mean, it, it, it um, you know, there was, you know, it, it did live up the name Mobile Suit Gundam. Because it, you know, it seems towards the end that everybody had a Gundam in that. That's another thing that also uh, I I kind of have a bit of a gripe with because in previous and later series we've seen this is not the case. In uh, Seed and Destiny, anything that tries to fight a Gundam that isn't a Gundam is complete garbage and explodes instantly. You know, <laughs> in X you had quite a few Gundams, but most of the suits that you know were enemies in X were grunt types and they could hold their own uh turn a you know a lot of suits could hold their own double o a lot of suits could hold their own but in seed and destiny kind of like wing it's like if it ain't got gundam in the name it's a piece of garbage unless oh, unless well, didn't, uh yeah didn't crusette's uh thing beat the crap out of mulas um uh, flagas that was a that was a um that was the providence though that was the gun no, 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 no the one they hit before the providence that got trashed oh the he well, had the, a, the goo aids, the gates, the but yeah, uh, it, Moo was hurt, though. Remember? He well, hit, Mu, yeah, no, he it wasn't that he was hurt. It was that he had the launcher equipment. Yeah, he and had he the long equipment. And he was fighting suit yeah. with long-range equipment. So. Well, let's not forget, Moo also, he, he's the first pilot to kill a Gundam with a, a, a fighter plane because he took out the Blitz, or the Buster. And that, so that was that was crowning achievement. So that, they, that made his awesomeness even more so. They put him in Guinness in that year. Yeah. The Guinness Book of Records, CE-71. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. But yeah, um, it, 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 he's on top of that. I mean, one in in this show, most of the pilots didn't matter. It's the equipment that you use. Mu was like the exception. Yeah. To the rule. Yeah, because he oh. was he was taking out stuff even in the Alaska base when he was in one of the their crappy fighters. Yeah. Trying to get back to the Archangel. Yeah. <laughs> he was taking out stuff. Man's so. a godsend. Yeah. <laughs> That's another flashback right there. <laughs> oh yeah. That is a, that, that is a whole lot of flashbacks. <laughs> that is yeah. That is definitely a flashback, but um. What were your thoughts on the Archangel as a ship? I mean, I always, I, I love that. Sh- that's one of the that's one of the boons of the series. I love how that ship looks and the way it's designed. And I mean, it, it's a Pegasus class ship, just re- reimagined, but still, yeah, it's it's beautiful. I, I, I love that ship. It's fun. It's funny how that ship is like the prototype ship, and it beats all the newer versions. Yeah, that yeah. Ship. <laughs> Even from 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 that from from that series to Destiny, it's still beating every other version of the ship. Yeah, pretty much. Without rivals, and it's it's the prototype. <laughs> Even Badgerals' version was cool looking. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. minion was awesome. I, I loved it. Yeah, there were definitely some great mecha designs in it. I mean, you know, we, like we said, the strike, um, freedom. Yeah, the freedom, uh, freedom, oh. and and justice. Great. I I even I even like the Aegis, even though it, it's it, it's almost seems like the forgotten Gundam. He just is kind of a sloppy mess, and and looking at one of the model kits, the transformation of that mobile suit really confuses my mind and and makes me want to cry. I just don't understand how it works. I try not to either, but uh, you know, I I always thought it was kind of cool with that whole you know when it would transform into the the mobile armor and then grab something. But there were some great points in there. But you know, it, I don't understand though. Why does Atherin all the time, like uh, especially with the Aegis and the uh, the Savior, he's always standing somewhere, not never using the mobile suit. Well, don't give that man a. Don't give that he's, man. He's a the trans- transformation spammer. Yeah, don't give that man a transformation mobile suit because he'll just get it destroyed. <laughs> he'll just stand around, just like watching stuff. Yeah, and and press the the transform button over and over and over. <laughs> oh yeah. Because <laughs> man, that guy that guy spams the transformation of the savior in Destiny so many times. He just flies around, transforms, runs away, flies around, transforms, shoots. Flies, transforms some more, and then runs away and transforms. I thought that, I thought that was just a special ability of Savior. Yeah. Transformer run away, man. I, I, I did love that transformation sequence, although it did kind of get old the fifth time you saw it. That is true. <laughs> we, should, uh, we should probably also mention, since we've you know, done this with past roundups, uh, the special edition, the compilations. Oh, yes. Did you guys see those? What did you think of them? Uh, I've seen all, I actually own all three. Um... Once again, it, it, it's it's that whole thing of like I, I kind of felt the 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 last two movies were pretty good. Um, I don't like some of the um, some of the liberties they took, especially with the last movie where they gave Diarca a kill on a Gundam. I, I thought I thought the best thing about the final battle was the fact that for the whole series, Izak is chasing a Gundam. And he wanted the strike so bad, and he could never get it. But then at the end, he gets two Gundams within, you know, within, within the span of like ten minutes of each other. <laughs> and you know, they cheaply give Diarca uh, one of the one of the. I think they gave him the Raider death. Yeah, yeah, they gave him the Raider death, and of course the whole recant with Mula Flaga's helmet. helmet. Probably the biggest. Uh, the biggest, uh, you know. Oh, oh, I, I think the only thing with special edition is it's just basically, it's basically the uh, the creators trying to correct the mistakes brought on by the witnesses. Uh, but That's the only they, thing I can really say. It's they created like, some new mistakes. Yeah, because they, yeah. 
in, in the story, it's like they're trying to. I mean, these move these TV movies. They're only ninety minutes each. Right. They're trying to cram way too much stuff into too short a time, yep. and they cut out so much. Like you know, uh, Izak and Diarca. You know, and like the first two movies are barely just more than named grunts because they're almost totally cut out of the story. There's so much stuff that's left out that it really only. I mean, watching them, even trying to just watch them as movies, they don't make sense unless you've already seen the TV show. Right. Which kind of kills the whole point of it being a compilation movie. The whole point of a compilation movie is that you should be able to watch it and understand it without having seen what it's compiling. Yeah. Like, say, the original Gundam movies. They make perfect sense in and of themselves. With special edition, it's too much stuff and too little time. All it is is a big cop-out. That's it. It's not, like it seems it was, like it. Yeah, they're trying to take away, like, they take away, you know, Moose death. Where it's like, you know, that man died badass-like. Don't yeah. take it away from him. Yeah. yeah. And I'm it's the lamest ever the way they the way they 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 took away his death by just yeah. removing the helmet floating in space like how does that explain the fact that this damn thing still exploded after being hit by a positron cannon <laughs> yeah it's not, hey did they uh did you uh, you i i think mech was telling me um didn't you say that uh they made toru's death even worse well they or? make him they make it more graphic you can actually yeah. see it yeah. as his head is popping off when the yeah when the Aegis's um, shield goes right into the, the cockpit, connect yeah, underneath his chin. Yeah, if and you stop, lift, lift. if you stop it, you actually see like a little bit of spine and everything. It's pretty funny. You see his helmet filled with yeah. blood. Oh, and they also, it just comes. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, aside from that, they also show the inside of the the shuttle with the little girl. Yeah. Oh. Oh, really? Yeah. When they get shot, uh, you see them all get blown up from the inside. Yep. And then of course, how can we? <laughs> How oh. can we not say the, the Kira Flay sex scene in the first movie? No, yeah, that's, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> There's more. Why, oh, it's special edition? Yeah. There's, I haven't seen that. Yeah, you got to see it. They actually I got to see that. They yeah. show him getting down, bouncing boobies and everything. What? All, not, of, all of a sudden. I mean, let's not make it think like it's like a hentai or something. No, just it's show not. Him. It's a little bit more than. Like side boob. Yeah. <laughs> Well, what, side boob. what about the what about the the nuclear holocaust in um in um in, in Alaska? Did they um did they intensify that at all? That was, oh, that was, a, that was people was, getting like, microwaved like oh, uh, yeah. like pop like Orville yeah. Rettenbacher. Yes, indeed. I mean that was gruesome <laughs> in the TV show, but was it worse in the movies? No, no, it was about the same. Damn. So does uh does Nicole die in, in a worse way? No, it's still the same. There, there's very same. there's very few changes, yeah. but some of the changes the they did are just. Like they're mainly in the in the last movie, and it just it was in that final battle, and it just I don't know. I mean, giving Diarca a Gundam kill it just made no sense to me, and yeah. you know it, 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 I just thought it was more fitting that you Diarca know for once Isaac was able to get Buck Wild, which is a funny thing because at the beginning of that show he you kind of hate that character because mm-hmm. he's kind of a dick the whole time. He's always messing with Ather and giving him problems, but towards the end you're like cheering for him. Like this dude's the junk, man. But Diorka was crapped on the whole show. Yeah, yeah but the whole show. He, he was it, stuck with the ugly Gundam, man. So it, if you're stuck with the ugly sniping Gundam, yeah, you just stay in the background. <laughs> well, it's not really even a sniping Gundam. Though. Well, it's, it's, it's like an it's artillery. Heavy, yeah. It's more like a heavy <laughs> arm. Huh? I mean, I I personally like Buster. I I liked how it looked, Why? and I liked the nice. It, it did a lot. I mean, it did a lot of damage. It, it was there. I don't it know. Was, 
It, it, I don't know. I just I I thought it was a little silly though to to do that because like Chris said, you're you're just you're just trying to show it where it's giving you kind of a a summary of the TV show, not to bring up more questions <laughs> right. about what's going on. And you know, it it is it is, and I think one thing that we failed to forget too is the, to mention was uh, it it's got that kind of, and I say this with you know in parentheses that kind of Zeta feeling at the end where you just start seeing people getting killed, you know, oh, yeah. main characters. There's a pretty high death count in this last, what is it, the, the second to last episode, pretty much where, you know, most of the people get smoked. The Strike Girls? The Strike Girls. That was or the, the Stray Girls. The, the Stray Girls. What am I they saying? get smoked. Um, <laughs> the druggies show. get smoked. Um, the Azrael. Azrael gets, yeah. Clay. Clay. Oh, that was the best death ever. Yeah. And Boo gets smoked at the end, supposedly. But it gets undone, so. Yeah. <laughs> but, um. What about, um, I don't know if, I'm sure we've all seen it by now, but what about the little epilogue five-minute um short that was at the end of the, um, the uh, TV with, show that they aired, I guess. On, lunch it, with Kira oh, and Lachish. You mean after phase? Dinner with Kira and Lachish with yeah, the kids. Yeah, exactly. Dinner with Kira. And, <laughs> Nothing even worth talking about. I mean, I mean it's nothing it, special. It's even red. It's, uh, it might be even be redcon because they um, kind of acknowledge the fact that Moo's dead. <laughs> in that, where um, where they show um, Ramius, well, uh, to her knowledge, yeah, anyway, they show Ramius. She didn't know he wasn't dead. That's so. true. That's true. But at least they show cool ass um, Andrew Walfell for a minute. Yeah, <laughs> who was the coolest dude in the show? But I the, will cry uh, foul on the fact that he lived. Who would be uh, Mister Get Out of Jail Free? <laughs> Old DT. Old DT. Thought that thought that guy was dead and gone. <laughs> yeah. Thought that man was dead and gone, and all of a sudden, 10, 12 episodes later, it's like, what? You mean good old Andy? Yeah. Good old DT. Andy. We call him yeah, DT. You know his wife. death. Mm-hmm. That, that him is. More, I can believe him surviving that explosion because he's missing limbs. Yeah. He is. And it, he, he has he a scar. <laughs> Yeah, and well, he has a scar. So I mean, I can believe that because yeah. it's visible. It's like you know, okay, that's believable. Moo coming back with just a scar on his face. It's like what? Yeah, and, <laughs> and I, I know a lot of people. I I remember this when he actually did get killed, and you know, when the show was coming out, and a lot of people are speculating the way that the his um his zoid had blown up. That um, his zoid. <laughs> Uh, that is, that is uh, his badass girl, which is one of the m- kind of more unsung characters. I really liked her a lot, uh, Aisha. Um, they say that, like you know, the way it was, like her body shield most of the explosions. That's what I think too. Yeah. I, I well, that. that just conveniently happened because he really was supposed to be dead. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. next episode, that that bearded guy who's like, I'm gonna take down the Gundam. Mm-hmm. They're talking about him being dead. Mm-hmm. Supposed to be dead, but then Fukuda, yeah. the director, changed his mind and brought him back. See, and you know, that's and, my point. and Chris, you know, to kind of sum this up, I remember there was an interview a couple years ago talking about the actual the supposed ending that they were originally going to do and then what was happening. Any word or anything that you can add on that? This that whole thing of like. What was it? Flag? It was going to be a, a, a human bomb and blow up the archangel. And was this all just like internet speak, or is this just something that was taken out of context? Um, you know, what was it? Atherin was going to lose limb, or Kira was going to like lose limbs, and Atherin was going to get killed, and all I this. I think this was covered 
on this was covered on Ganoda, so this is you know yeah. not just fan stuff. Um, Filet Wait, was going to be what? No, go on, go on, go on, go on. Filet was going to be like a time bomb, but end up just blowing up Psy. Yeah. Oh wow. Uh, damn, Catherine. damn soul, bro. That'd have hey, been tough. Bird, that's two birds with one stone, man. I love that. Atherin was gonna be uh, losing a limb, like an arm. Yeah. Uh, Kira was just gonna die. That's right. And what was else? Was that for Destiny uh, or for Seed? No, it's just Seed. Seed. Because I you were telling me about that. You were no, telling me that. Oh, it wasn't. Um, yeah, the other thing was she was Flay was gonna die, but she was gonna be pregnant. Wasn't that the whole thing too? Oh. Wasn't she gonna be pregnant? Yeah. I don't think that that was part of it. Wasn't? I thought it was. No. Uh, originally, and this is not part of that, that interview that was referenced, um, originally, uh, supposedly, Strike Rouge was supposed to be for her. Oh, hence, okay. Hence That's why pink. it's pink. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Sunrise <laughs> and those pink mechs. And then they gave it to Kagali for her to use for all of, like, five minutes. <laughs> Man... Strike Rouge has got to be the biggest cock tease I've ever seen. It played good in Seed, and then it would just look like crap in Destiny. Do you think um, Kagali's character was a misfire? In a sense that, you know, was she really... Um, I, I understand her importance and everything, but I mean, the fact that there were so many changes to the story, it seems to be um, apparent, although you will probably never get it confirmed. But, you know, as cool as her character was in some moments, it just didn't seem that she really... You know, came came to fruition in that series. I, I liked her. I mean, I thought she. I don't really know about that. Yeah, really? I thought she was fine. Um, what bothered me was that you know uh, when when they had the whole thing with like Kira in in his bitch play mode. Yeah. You know, they kind of like sort of hint like there being a possible triangle between him and Kagali and yeah. uh, and Flip. And twenty episodes later, it's like, no, wait, your brother and sister, you can't do that. The Star yeah. Wars, the Star Wars it's flip. Like, <laughs> they pulled the Star Wars flip, and it's like. Even in Star Wars, it seemed like a little out of nowhere. Yeah. But uh, it seemed way out of nowhere in Seed that suddenly, like, oh, yeah, uh, this this dude's your brother. Yeah. Hey, but that's kind of understandable because, you know, Seed was just, like, one big-ass soap opera anyways. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> I mean, I expect that. It's like, you know, my fa- I think one of my Good favorite point. parts in that, it's my favorite part is, like, when uh, they're in the desert and they're having that party at night and, you know, Sai's pulling on Flay and she goes, I was in Kira's room the other night. And he, he, you see that background <laughs> breakdown and shit, and it's like oh, the freeze frame and everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and 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 let's not forget the other highlight of Soul Bros, man, Just punking Ooh. out the poor strike in the hangar. Most pathetic moment I've ever seen. Ever. <laughs> the only moment that's more pathetic than him trying to pilot the strike and falling down and crying, and the strike's on its knees and he's just crying like a wuss. <laughs> is the deleted episode from Gundam, the original series, where Amuro puts the Gundam on its hands and knees and ejects the core fighter and it looks like the stupidest thing ever. <laughs> oh, no. That's the I've only thing that's that. yeah. yeah, that's a shame because Strike was such a badass suit and saw, I mean, oh, what were you thinking, that, That's more pathetic than Cuzzy leaving the ship because he can't handle the danger? No, I actually, no, no. I actually respect him to an extent that he realized that he was such a sorry character that he just had to leave the show. What, like, what, what, what about Kazuya trying to run out the bridge before it's about to get shot up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, where the hell where the hell are you running to? It's going to hit you no matter what. Yeah. 
it just showed how lame he was that everyone else was steadfast and ready to face their end. And he exactly. was the only trying to get up and run away. Yeah, he's I mean he's he's you know, it's all these other people, even um you know, my other favorite female character outside of uh, Captain Ramius, um, Marielia. I thought you oh, know, yeah. I thought she was the perfect like you know, she I, I wouldn't necessarily call her the bridge bunny even though she was you know, she's the cute little girl on the bridge, but you know, she was actually became a very capable soldier, you know, capable uh, you know, uh, what is it, like communications officer and stuff, so except for when she went psycho and tried to go like Yeah, that was psycho <coughs> Yeah. But you know That was a cool scene though. But just the hey, way she, know, she 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 went off on that dude, boy. She did. You know what? After that scene though, I knew they were gonna hook up. Oh <laughs> fatal yeah, attraction. Was so obvious. Coordinators like the crazy women. She got she got she got Glenn close on his ass. And um <laughs> you know before before we wrap this up, we'll have to go explore the most probably one of the things that'll get the biggest groan from Chris. Lacus Klein. Oh, Big princess, Chris, enlighten with the, us with, with the softball horrors. Uber perfect Virgin Mary. <laughs> Chris, oh. that's it. <laughs> Even more perfect than um, who was another Gundam chick that was like uber perfect? Um, what well, I know Diana wasn't. She had her flaws, but she was awesome. I can't I can't say Lockus nah, can hold a candle to her. Lockus was she was. The perfect. About, uh, I, I did like about, her though. Oh, I know you about, did. What about Tifa from Gunamex? <laughs> Who? Tifa from Gunamex. Mm, no, nothing like that because Tifa was completely flawed. Really? And she she kind of knew it. Yeah, I remember the whole thing with like, um, you know, one of the best things when the the, the whole makeup incident. <laughs> I love that scene. That was. I kind of uh, liked uh, Lacos more when she was just, you know, a simple little singer rather than like ginormous political slash resistance leader. Well, you, you didn't like her when we'll became, she, she became Ninja Lacus. Got ninja Lacus? She got a little ninja, ninja outfit Lacus. and stole that the Eternal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you this then. What do you think was the worst death in Seed? Nataru? Uh, Toru? Or Nickel? Out of those three, it was Badgeru. Badgeru was gangster. That uh, oh, she, she I mean, she was tough because she took the shots from that dude. That was that's pretty. But she was like, "Shoot me anyways. Let's put it out." <laughs> because because that dude, well, what made it bad was the fact that at least with Toll, in all essence, he really didn't feel anything. It was like before he you know saw the shield, his life was pretty much done when he saw it. He fired a couple of bullets and then he was dead. Yeah, Nicole, you know, it was bad. But man, Badgerul got like she got like shot in the chest. She got shot in like, the arm, the leg. Glad I mean, the everything. dude just kept he kept just like shooting her. It was like RoboCop style almost. Yeah. They just kept shooting her. And she, yeah, but and you she, know what she did? She with what she did, she managed to redeem herself oh, for being yeah. such a the whole series yep. and being so by the book because she saw the kind of people that she was being by the book for yeah. weren't so good. Yeah, when when she when she locked in when she closed <clears> the door on him and it was like you know you're gonna die here with me. It's like oh. You know, it's like everything, everything bad that you thought about it. And th that's what was actually kind of nice was, you know, you had a lot of redeemed characters in this one. And, you know, the, and I, I do have to kind of credit, there were characters that you would hate at the beginning, but towards the end, you were like, you know, like I said earlier, Izok, 
I thought Izak, you know, everybody thought he was a, a big dick at the beginning, and he was. Oh, he was. But then towards the end, when he, you know, <laughs> hey, he, he, he was the only. Flower girl. Yeah. Oh, I mean, man. he's the only guy left. Um, he's, you know, everybody else defected or got killed <laughs> from his squad, and you know, he's trying to do what he can, and and even he knows what's, you know, that what they're doing is probably not the right course of action. Uh, yeah. You know, especially towards the end, the whole this situation with his mother being part of that whole, that whole you know Zala faction. So um, you know, it's um, I mean, for all it, you know, it, it, there are some faults, it, but you know, I, I think for the most part, it's a pretty pretty decent show. But um, I'll give well, it the same you. for the sequel. Yeah, <laughs> but, but but that that's that's the next installment, guys. I, I got I, I just there's just <laughs> no no. Nope. <laughs> I, I, the only thing I can't understand is with Nicole when he died. Why did he uncloak? Did they Closing. ever explain Yeah, that? it was really quite stupid. Yeah. Cloak, and he suddenly appears out of nowhere, and then he's swinging, leaving himself completely wide open. Yeah. Oh, and, God. and that would probably bring to one of my last points here, and I thought was a, a very interesting thing. Like Chris said before, Chris or Solbro said this, there was a lot of interesting scenes within the story that they're telling. I thought the, the kind of the plot gimmick of the batteries running out was a very cool thing. Yeah, it was. But then, you know, it ended up being like Evangelion where, you know, Evangelion, you would have five minutes of, uh, you know, time, but sometimes that five minutes was 30 <laughs> seconds and sometimes that five minutes was, you know, 10 minutes. The whole episode. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and it, it kind of got to that same thing too, but I, I thought that was a really cool aspect of um, having kind of kind of limiting to an extent the power of the Gundam but yeah. you know like Chris said <laughs> it was one of these things where sometimes unless you had a Gundam you really weren't worth the crap as a pilot and you were kind of you were kind of spam or actually fodder <laughs> but um and uh, I'm going to kind of give you guys some last um last question or last some last comments before we uh, finish this up cuz uh I think it's about time to wrap it up, but um, I'll give it first to our special guest Austin from the um, you know deep within sub level B of the Hadagon. <laughs> any uh, any last comments, thoughts on uh, Gundam C? Hmm, not really, man. I mean, I got all I got everything off my chest. Okay, what would you say? This is something that you know uh, uh, people should definitely. Check out, especially if they're interested. Oh yeah, in the yeah. This is, or, um... this is a really good show, and it, it didn't get any justice when it was on Cartoon Network. Yeah. Disco Guns. It got destroyed on Cartoon Network. I mean, Disco Guns. <laughs> I mean, this is a very good show. I mean, I feel that. Yeah. And I know. I mean, a lot of our amongst. I know uh, Chris can say this, uh, attest to this. Like, uh, especially in our circle, a lot of our friends don't want to watch it because of art style. Or whatever, or just because they were burnt on Cartoon Network, and I mean, this is a show that should get uh, a lot, uh, some recognition, okay, and so forth. Cool, Solbro. It's, it's a show that shouldn't be slept on. I'm, I'm sorry, I, I I kind of ignored it for as long as I did. But once I watched it, I was I was thoroughly enjoyed by the, uh, thoroughly entertained by the end. And um, like I said, it does have a kind of a, a beleaguered start, but it does get somewhere. And when it does, it hits the ground and keeps on running. And it's a fun show to watch. Um, for those who are big UC fans who have never watched this, there are new types in the show, although never fully um, confirmed as new types. Um, yeah. Mula Flaga and the conflict between him and Raul LaCruce I liked. 
Um, there's the whole Metal Gear angle with the with the with the with the, t- with the twin snakes. Solid and liquid. The twin snakes. <laughs> I, I look at them as like that, and it's like, wow. If they only expanded upon this, yeah. I would love to watch a whole show which focused on that. But that's a whole other debate for a whole other day. Don't forget prayer. Oh, and pray, prayer reverie, man. Yeah. Awesome. But and also the um, for those who are interested, there are mangas that um also are um that are side stories in the same universe. Yep. Astray. Um, was it also Stray X? X Stray. X Stray. And Red Frame. Astray R. Yeah, Red Frame. Red Frame. And Red Frame is an absolute fun read. Yeah. Um, was it, what was Low his gear. name? Yeah, exactly. Guy Mikimura. That, that, that is like the best <laughs> byproduct of the Seed universe by far. Yeah. And um, as enjoyable as the show is, if you can find um, Astray R, um, by, all, by all means, pick it up, read it. You'll enjoy it. And, well, you, um, you, you actually need it for a one point in the Gundam Seed show. It actually explains how Kira got out of the whole mess with between Aegis and Strike. As, uh, it has a little bit of behind-the-scenes information for you as well. But, but uh, um, good read, good good show. Um, would I recommend it for first-time viewers? Of course. It's a, it's a great reintroduction of the Gundam series. Check it out. All right, that leaves. You know uh, we, didn't, hmm. we didn't even talk. We didn't talk much about our good. Uh, you know, the uh, the three pilots for your thing. Oh, the Truggies? Yeah, man. We didn't even talk about them that much. And they were really good villains. Yeah, especially Shawnee. Uh, <laughs> actually, I like, uh, what was his name? Uh, Karato? For the, the Raider. Uh, the Raider, Raider pilot. The guy always playing, playing the Wonder Swan. Yes. <laughs> I, I think like, he was the best pilot out of them all. I, I like Shawnee because it always seemed like he was listening to Rabbit in the Moon before he had to um, <laughs> go sortie. <laughs> So, uh, oh, for for our dance music fans, I'm sure they'll know that one. But, uh, uh, it's it all. It sounds like the uh, the Straight Talk Express is idling. Chris, any last thoughts, words of uh, of seed? Anything that you have to reiterate, maybe for the fifteen thousandth time? I gotta snipe something here with the Straight Talk Express while it's still here, and that awesome. is um, separating the show from its fans. Some of which can be quite annoying and. Yeah. Austin knows exactly the kind of person, and specifically the kind of person Joel. I'm referring to, Joel. Uh, who they see this show and they think it's the best thing ever since sliced bread, and it's their first exposure to the whole franchise, just like people with Wing back in the day years ago. If you're going to say something is the best out of a ginormous franchise, at least watch that whole ginormous franchise first. Yes. Don't go running around like, you know, it's some, the second coming of Jesus Christ when... You know, it's the only thing you've seen out of something that's been running for 30 years. And that's my, my parting comment. But, um, all right. Well, uh, the only thing I'd have to say is I pretty much second everybody's opinion here. I was a big fan when it was coming out. Um, yeah, it is, it is kind of annoying with some of the, the so-called fans. And, you know, it's something we've addressed before. And um, I definitely say that it, it, it's a, you know, a, a great recommendation for people to watch. <laughs> Uh, especially those that don't really have any uh, insight into the Mobile Suit Gundam franchise. Uh, I think along with like a wing, this is a great way to kind of wet your whistle with what um, you know Mobile Suit Gundam franchise has to um, you know, has to offer. So uh, so concludes installment 16 of Gundam Mobile Suit Gundam Seed. Uh, next, we'll be covering the direct sequel to Mobile Suit Gundam Seed. Oh, which no, we won't. Huh? <laughs> Oh, we won't be. Oh, that's not the next one. What's the what next is one? it? MSA Glue. Oh, Excellent. that's right. I oh, forgot we, about this. We get a break. I'm sorry. 
Well, strike that. And then we will be talking about MS Igloo, which so I got uh, Des- Is the Destiny segment going to be like a two-hour segment since we got a lot of crap to cover for that shit? Yeah, that's <laughs> that's probably going to be... That'll probably be just... A, well, it'll be a one segment split in two. <laughs> but because uh, uh, I'm sure Chris has probably got a, a nice long gripe list there. Oh, but um, Man, me and Chris have been arguing about Destiny since we first met. But... Um, yep. We will, uh, so I I stand corrected. The next uh, installment will be Mobile Suit Igloo, and uh, we'll be back in a little bit. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. Next. I said next. Gundam it. This is not the DMV, all right? Move it along. Need a cake, but you don't want something boring from the local supermarket or bakery? In the South Florida area, try EpicSugarWorks.com. This bakery specializes in creating cakes based off of your favorite anime series, video game character, or whatever custom design you're looking for. Their online store also features anime and video game themed chocolate lollipops, as well as gift certificates if you want to give something to somebody. So if you're looking for a cake that's above the norm, go to EpicSugarWorks.com. It's epically delicious. You see us uh, struggling in the car. You walk up, you open the door, and you say, You're lying, George. Oh, uh, hey you, get your damn hands off her. You really think I ought to swear? Yes, definitely. Damn it, George, swear. All right, everybody, uh, welcome back, and thanks for listening to episode 29 of Gundam at MAHQ. Um, we'll be back in a couple weeks with episode 30. Before we go, uh, Solbro, can you give us uh, some of the contact information? Of course. Uh, if, you, um, if you're looking for Gundam, you can always check Gundam.net. Of course, the mother of all mecha websites, MAHQ.net. Um, also, you can find us on iTunes and Zoom. And um, if you're lo- looking for feedback on Gundam or, or looking to give us feedback, you can go to mechatalk.net, which are the official boards for MAHQ. And we have a board there for our show as well. And also, you can email us at Gmail um, on uh, at the website, at the email address, gundammahq at gmail.com. And that's about it. All right, folks. We'll see you in a couple weeks later. Withdraw. Oh, do we have to? At least let me have some fun, Johan. Just a little. Relax, it'll be over soon. I'm just gonna smash you and destroy you, then wipe you all out. Fly my fangs! Gundam at MHQ is a Shinjuku station in the MHQ production. Now let's just power for real.